Tuesday night edition of the Dunked On Basketball NBA podcast. Got a lot to get to today, even though there are only three games. We're going to hit on two of them, Toronto and Houston, which I thought was a pretty interesting one against the two teams that are have a lot of the same pieces that we've seen over the last few years, but also are integrating some new ones as well and trying to do things a little differently, especially in the case of Toronto. And then we also want to talk about Boston and Brooklyn. That was an interesting one. Boston cruising to their 13th straight win setting up a great regular season game showdown with the Warriors on Thursday which we will be doing the Twitter NBA show for and then Danny are going to bring back a little feature from last year four random questions he and I will each ask each other two questions which we do not know what they are going to be or the other person doesn't know what they're going to be beforehand we're sponsored today by a new sponsor man crates go to mancrates.com slash capspace get you five percent off your order mancrates.com is the surest way to find gifts that guys will actually love guaranteed so let's start with uh, toronto and houston this one was not a pretty game i would say although a very high offense game mostly because both teams they got to the foul line at will or at the referee's will perhaps more accurately yeah i mean you don't see many games in the nba now where both teams attempt more than 40 free throws but it was 42 the the raptors were 33 of 42 and the rock were 35 of 41 each team had at least one guy that got to the line 10 times the Raptors actually had two because both their backcourt guys got there just an absolute ton yeah Kyle Lowry who part of why he had been struggling this year was the fact that he had not been getting the foul line as he had free throw rate less than half of what it had been last season but with the help of a couple of BS fouls going to the going to the rack a little bit more and then a three-shot foul he was able to get up into double-digit free throws DeMar DeRozan as well and you'd think that with DeRozan and with Harden each of these teams like they go against these guys in practice all the time that they would be able to avoid fouling but uh you know what it's not that easy there's a reason these guys get to the line as much as they do and of course that was helped by our old friend Tarek Black who we joyously watched foul out of a summer league game I thought he overall he was pretty solid but he did commit four fouls and was a part of that and he played partially I think they were going to stagger Nene and Black on this back-to-back anyway but Nene also sprained his foot yesterday so Black was going to get the call either way yeah and Black as a third center you can certainly do worse he has some nice pick and roll finishing he's really more of a switch guy but as you mentioned very foul prone at one point in this game and really pretty much throughout the game about 25 percent of the possessions for either team ended in free throws so every time down the court it was like a college game actually uh actually no probably every college game is just about worse than this uh so Welcome back, college basketball. But Harden got to the foul, and he set a team record for the most free throws made without a miss, 19. He did not shoot nearly as efficiently. He started off hitting his step-back threes and really abusing Pascal Siakam off of switches, just getting to the rack on him. And then I thought, though, when they were able to get uh, OG Ananobi on him, that OG did a pretty decent job. Yeah, and that's definitely encouraging, but it, it reminded me of something that is kind of a broad scope concern for the Raptors until they figure this out. And, you know, Norman Powell could end up being the answer to this question, but he's out right now, is they have one small forward, an Ananobi, who looks like he's a talented defender, and then another guy, CJ Miles, 
who's a talented shooter. But when you look at their backcourt, as good as those guys are, you kind of want both of those attributes in a single player because you need somebody who can defend because DeRozan's not going to do it. And you like somebody who can hit open shots because that's what really opens up this offense. And so I, I was sitting there at moments of this game being like, well, you obviously you can't fuse those two guys together, but it was still good to see those positives from both of those guys. Yeah, I think actually OG has been shooting it well enough. He is shooting with no hesitation, which is one of the most important things. True. And he's at 37% on the year after hitting three for four tonight. Actually, I don't think that includes the three for four tonight. So yeah, he's in the high 30s. If he continues this, he's doing well. I just, from what I remember, because I really liked him in college, that was not something I thought of as a calling guard for him. No, it wasn't. And we'll see whether that's going to slow down a little bit. It's rare that a guy in his first year coming in shoots better on the nba three than in college but you know maybe in college he wasn't really asked to spot up as much he thought he was going to be more of a guy with the ball in his hands and so during his acl recovery he was able to focus on that we don't know where that's going to be yet but it's good to see him at least you know he's not passing up shots which is the important thing maybe they won't go in and that'll change but he's making enough of them that he's he's continuing i think his, his energy is pretty solid he's a nice fit next to derozan because derozan can't guard anybody and they powell i think is really too small even to guard someone like Harden probably because Harden is just so strong I think there's a, you think there's a chance that uh, Powell ends up getting Wally pipped here by OG yeah there's there's a chance I I, th- I like Powell a lot but I also think that his aggressiveness can work well with their second unit even even though they're usually going to have one of their two best players out there and if Ananobi can kind of thread the needle a little bit better you know provide some of the the higher end you know defensive potential and he's a little bigger that, that you're looking for at least in terms of like overall length I, I want to look at the measurements but that's uh, when I think of the two of them this way I think of so yeah I, I certainly do think that it's possible and I wonder kind of where they're going long term but for this season i could totally see that being the most logical small forward choice yeah and it's interesting because paulo of course got that four-year 42 million dollar extension which we call the the josh richardson now and i think he still could potentially be a trade asset on that contract if they really want to go with og or maybe they could move cj miles or maybe they use all those guys but they're also getting great play out of their backup point guards as well and we'll talk about that this Raptors bench unit, what we saw from Houston today, right after this word from a new sponsor, Mancrates. With it being holiday gift-giving season, Mancrates.com is the surest way to find gifts that guys will actually love. That's because it's guaranteed. If the recipient of your gift is not wowed by it, you can exchange it for something else very easily. This isn't a cheese of the month club. It's not a new tie. Mancrates offers over 100 hand curated gift collections for every type of guy from the rugged outdoorsman to the sports fanatic and everything in between. I actually used Mancrates to get a gift for my fiance's father, a notoriously difficult guy to buy for. I really hope he isn't listening to this because I haven't actually had a chance to give it to him yet. But it comes in an actual crate, which is a really cool way for it to arrive. He gets to pry it open with his own laser engraved crowbar. And what I got him is this whiskey appreciation crate as a personalized decanter and glasses for his favorite drink it's one of those ones that has the monogram on it with the last name as like in between the first and middle initial and it's bigger i always thought those really cool there's also a grill master crate with a brass knuckle meat tenderizer and a cast iron smoker box it's 
really easy to go to mancrates.com and pick the perfect crate and choose the delivery date both men's health and allure magazine not exactly two most consistent magazines in the world are saying that man crates is a perfect gift for men they don't agree on anything but they do have thousands of five-star reviews and every man crate as i mentioned comes with that 100 satisfaction guarantee so you can own the holidays with man crates go to mancrates.com slash capspace they'll get you five percent off your order that's five percent off at mancrates.com slash capspace that Capspace URL, easy to remember because we talk about Capspace all the time on the program. Mancrates.com slash Capspace. Use that Capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. So Dwayne Casey has long been pilloried for Toronto's poor performances in the playoffs. Offensively, they have not been able to keep going what has been a very nice regular season offense because they're too predictable they slow down the other team has guys who can stop Lowry and DeRozan and our friend Dylan Murphy had a nice piece in the Athletic Toronto today talking about what it is that they're actually doing differently offensively this season he talked about how most of their offense was what are called destination plays where you run some stuff but everyone knows that it's just going to end up in an ISO or a pick and roll Cleveland is kind of like this too right they're it's all about just getting their playmakers in position. There isn't a flow. There isn't an optionality to it. And while they're never going to be like Golden State or Boston or Atlanta or Utah, they are at least setting up those destination plays with stuff that has some optionality to begin with. The one example uh, during their decisive run, which came midway through the second quarter, was they started Kyle Lowry out with some dribble pitch action, gave him a back screen, then ran a pick and roll up top between two guards while they they had Lowry come off a screen all the way on the other side and then they set a step up ball screen for Lowry to get right to the rim and because there was so much going on in particular the help in the form of Clint Capella was occupied by some of the action on the weak side and then Lowry is able to blow by him and get a layup so we've seen a little bit more of that kind of stuff from them and i mentioned that casey is adjusting the other thing that i think he deserves credit for is the way that he's used his bench and in particular two point guard lineups since they got Corey joseph he's continued to go to those and they really seem to work pretty well and he's one of the coaches that really does a lot of that not a surprise because he comes from coaching under rick carlisle who also used a lot of lineups like that and a big part of why those lineups work so well is because no team plays many guys on their second unit that can really punish those types of lineups you know really the trade-off yeah. there is generally they're a little bit smaller and that means that there are some weaknesses defensively depending on it can also bring some shooting stuff but generally speaking that's okay and so if you can't if you can't exploit that then there are a lot of benefits i mean this goes back to the idea of why playoff series get smaller over the course of the series or why going back to red hour box celtics the smalls usually beat the bigs they're more skilled they can do more things off offensively and I, I'm a big supporter of it and I'm a big supporter of Toronto continuing to do it yeah and I think one of the big advantages there too is transition and we saw Delon Wright really do well in transition today I, I was very impressed with his finishing around the rim he in that second quarter run he had three just beautiful euro steps uh, including one that led to an over-the-shoulder finish and an and one when he looked like he had absolutely nowhere to go but he was going against Tarek Black so he didn't get fouled on that play and most of that run was done with Harden out of the game it finished up once he had come back in they brought Lowry back in about halfway through that and 
by the time it was over they were up 55 44 and really houston never threatened the closest they got was six i believe in the fourth quarter and then right after that two key offensive fouls on Harden and gordon and then a three from toronto pushed it back to nine and again it, it never got closer after that so it's a really nice win for toronto to do it in somewhat comfortable style uh, on the road in houston Right. And something that was that will be just a, a concern for me probably all year is the way that D'Antoni is pushing his particularly his best guys, but really almost everybody. James Harden, 39 minutes, basically played the entire second half of this game. And I don't know if that was the decided factor or whether it was everything else with his horrendous blow by allowed to Serge Ibaka, which basically ended the game. Because I mean, yeah, by the Ibaka- way, some Houston fans were tweeting me like, oh, you're not going to mention that he had five fouls. Well, how about you go back and watch the twitter nba show audio and we can tell you like five plays that he had like that where he didn't even move his feet at all we talked about one on the podcast from thursday as well and it and doesn't can, have to do with them having five you can do a whole do lot of stuff trying. without without putting your hand in the cookie jar you just to slow the guy down a little bit and not sabotage the rest of your defense and you know it is it is one play but it was emblematic and i mean so harden played 39 minutes ariza played 38 and Mute played 31 gordon played 33 and yeah this is a game against a good opponent and you want to win every game that you can but we're seeing such a different approach from a lot of the other teams that look like or have the expectations justifiably that they're going to be competitive later on i mean the spurs are even doing that with their guys and they're short players and it's concerning to me just because we saw this movie a little bit last year yeah and you would have thought maybe it'll change when paul gets back and i don't think they're going to do that with chris paul at least um but yeah i mean you mentioned the minute tolls and they would have played hard more he sat out like a couple of minutes after getting that fifth foul and then they felt like oh man we got to bring him back in but you know i mean it's just it's not that important right now for houston like guess what guys you're not going to beat golden state for the number one seed now maybe they feel like hey we need we have a chance right now to get ahead of the spurs and get ahead of the thunder and that's our our main competition here but nonetheless i just whatever wherever you think you're going if james harden is exhausted by the end of the second round of the playoffs next year or or, or next spring then it's not gonna be worth it and really what is the marginal benefit i mean yeah it does help harden's mvp case because the counting stats go up when when it goes up though i think it hurts his you know, his permitted impact because he's more tired and everything else. But injuries can be caused by a variety of things. Injuries can be caused by fatigue. They can be caused by random chance. And just the more time a player is out there, you're just putting them at greater risk. And we've seen this throughout time. And it doesn't mean it's, you know, that he's a ticking time bomb or anything like that or any of these other players, but you're not doing them any favors. And the benefit that you're getting at this point in the year, I mean, this isn't only November, this is November 14th in a year when the season started a month ago, but it's still November. Yeah, agreed on all counts. A few other things I wanted to get to from this game, CJ Miles, six of 12 from the field, six of nine on three and only 17 minutes. He's averaging basically six three-point attempts in 18 minutes a game which is a fantastic rate he has absolute free license to fire away and it's not hitting an unbelievable percentage yet although after tonight's fireworks he's probably pretty close to 40 percent. but he has been had some stretches where he's just gotten really really hot this year and he had a few where he just banged down like two or three in a row one key stretch right at the start of the fourth quarter to really keep houston at bay when it looked like they might get back into it uh, he finished with 19 points in 17 minutes. And then Wright, who was plus 18 in this one, 
14 points, 5 of 5 from the field, 4 of 5 from the foul line. And they even went to some extremely small lineups with Fred Van Vliet, who I want to talk about a little bit too right lowry and cj miles at one point with a center usually a uh, purtle and then they, they were going up against houston lineups with harden out of the game with eric gordon at point guard they really don't have any kind of backup point guard who d'antoni feels comfortable playing right now with paul out and then the shooting was pretty limited after that they had capella and then they're playing both Tucker and Bamute or Ariza and Bamute. And as you're two and your three, I mean, that's kind of difficult. They would try to bring Ryan Anderson out there to help out. And then they would have a, a traditional center. So I think this was one of those games where those guys had to get a little bit too aggressive. In particular, during that decisive run, Bamute was like running pick and rolls and getting to the rim, but he turned it over. Had a couple of layups, but also missed guys some big turnovers during that period where Houston had to foul were big and getting Toronto into the bonus early in that quarter. Um, and this is, this is also one of those games where just Houston's mad bombers weren't hitting like Eric Gordon in particular was 0 for 7. They finished 12 out of 39. And, and especially in the fourth quarter, there were many open threes or, you know, kind of semi open threes, the ones that they'll maybe jack up a little sooner than a lot of teams will. And I think that's a good strategy. But today, the variance was not in their favor. I want to give you a stat on CJ Miles because this is pretty incredible to me. This was his 12th game played because he missed the game against Utah. He has shot seven or more threes in half of those games despite coming off the bench in every single game and not playing more than 25 minutes in any one of them well i mean if you think about it too really before steph curry like nobody shot seven threes a game and he's doing it in like 20 minutes <laughs> you know so and, and toronto is shooting more threes they're passing the ball more this season and a lot of that, I think, is just having him as a bummer. He's replaced what they were getting from Terrence Ross last year and then some. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Van Vliet. He actually closed their loss in Boston on Sunday, which I did not like because he really is just so limited, especially as a help defender or any kind of a screen getting. I mean, I like him, what he's done as a backup. He knows how to play. He can get in the lane. He plays pick and roll. He can bang an open three. But defensively, and especially in the playoffs too, I mean, they're usually not just going after someone like him that's not a part of the game plan in the regular season for just some bench guy. But I, I do see him getting like ian clark if they get into the playoffs and playing him down the end it's just he's too limited defensively like you just you should not have him out there no matter how well he has played in that individual game especially with some of the other talent that they have they just need well, to get more size and that's the point that i wanted to make is that they're not shorthanded in terms of guys that can create and guys that want the ball in their hands in a lot of those circumstances and so the need for van vliet is a lot lower and so go to somebody who's a little bit lower usage maybe maybe the jump shot's a little bit worse but who can be more versatile defensively because they have to get stops most of the time in order to do this and they did get some in this game and drew those offensive fouls but it's going to be tough in in when this when the going you know like when the when the opponents not only as you said focus on your weaknesses but also as the quality just gets better you know as as teams are teams are stronger game in game out interestingly also for toronto he had gotten with baby noguera a little bit more he played so i think over portal in the boston game and baby got the first crack he was getting scored on at the rim pretty badly uh that was during that stretch that harden was lighting up siaka and then baby just wasn't able to get over there and affect harden and so they went with portal and then portal got all of the backup center minutes i think rightly he's just so much better than baby at this point uh 
And, and we haven't even mentioned DeMar DeRozan yet either, who in 34 minutes had a wonderful game, 27 points, 7 of 16 from the field, and then 13 of 16 from the foul line. He's even trying to take more threes. You know, they're not necessarily going in. He was 0 for 3, but he at least, when he gets thrown the ball and he's at the three-point line, he's at least taking him with no hesitation now. And I think even that is important. We'll see if he actually can start hitting enough that teams will guard him out there a little bit more. But especially he was just using all of his tricks, getting guys in the air, and uh, not the most exciting game it's rare that DeRozan really is going to thrill you but he was certainly brutally efficient in this one yeah it's going to be fun to watch how these two teams go through the next like month of their season because they both have lofty expectations but the grind is real and they have to go through it and they have to win these games because seeding matters you know both of them are going to be in that situation where having home court particularly if they can get it in the second round will really matter all right let's do a little bit on this Boston Brooklyn game before we get to our four questions it was a 109-102 Boston win but a lot of yo-yoing in this game the Nets surged out to a little bit of a lead in the third quarter then Boston led it 80 to 68 the Nets surged back to with within one at 82 81 then Marcus Morris got hot and got Boston out to an eight point lead again the Nets surged back a little bit it got within about four or five and then Boston was able to put it away towards the end I thought the biggest thing that we saw in this one was what Marcus Morris was able to do finishing with I think his Celtics career high 21 points on eight of 12 from the field and he really was torturing some of the smaller nets I mean, this nets team is just tiny right now they're starting trevor booker at center and he was really able to hit some threes off the dribble even which was impressive and then get into his mid post iso game and shoot right over guys to great success to provide a little bit of color to that brooklyn only gave 15 minutes to what you would call traditional centers jared allen and timothy Mozgov. booker played 28 minutes and then the only other guy who's even vaguely a big in the traditional sense is Quincy AC and AC was a three early in his career he played 19 minutes yeah wow what league was it when he, he Quincy AC was playing as a three I guess it, it really did happen at one point he, and yeah, he's early than, early on that was well and he he went yeah. to Baylor I believe that was kind of part of how he was pitched but then that was right as the league started turning but Morris is what I like about him on the Celtics and I like this part of the trade that Fravery Bradley there are other things I didn't like about it was that he's a good option to have he doesn't have to be on this Boston team even without Gordon Hayward he doesn't have to be the savior of them but if he's having it if he's if he's rolling on a game like 8 for 12 from the field like tonight then you can use it and they have a lot of options at their disposal and I like him as a different piece in that in some ways that's what Markeith Morris would ideally be on the Wizards is not somebody you have to rely on but somebody you can run with when he's hot yeah and this Boston offense really armed with more guys who are maybe not you know number one traditional throw it to this guy do a pick and roll type of options but with guys who can do stuff off the dribble with an advantage Jalen Brown and Tatum certainly fall into this category Horford as the glue to hold it all together he had 17 points on 8 of 10 from the field in this one plus 22 for Horford he was outstanding and the way they move the ball around and move the defense and they have one guy in Kyrie obviously who can get his own shot whenever he wants and he was excellent late but they really are just able to find ways to score now the Nets 
I thought had a decent plan against them which was to switch everything they just don't have enough defensive talent because this Boston team which likes to move it around and has been since Brad Stevens got there one of the higher assist teams in the league I think last year they were second in percentage of assisted baskets at like 65 percent behind the Warriors only 15 assists in this one so they're required to score against their man which they're able to do in particular Irving and Morris but I like the egalitarian nature of this and every starter for the Celtics scored between 14 and 25 points in this one. How did you think Kyrie looked? This was his first game back. He played with a mask due to that facial fracture. Yeah, and he took a couple of shots he too. Did. One when he was going for a loose ball, he got clocked in the face on another drive accidentally and looked like he was able to play through it. So I thought he looked like himself, certainly. And especially late he was able to really abuse whoever he had on him and, and get in the lane except there was one time when he had trevor booker on him and had plenty of time on the clock and just took a step back three going to his right and what i say to guys like that it's like yeah you know what you can make that shot probably better than anyone else in the league can make it but you also have all these skills you're too good to be taking that shot if you're up against a big you should be able to get a better shot than that like that's the whole point of this is to get a better shot to begin with with all those great skills instead of using those great skills to make tough shots but that was only one time the rest of the time you really got in the lane and kp had a great point yesterday on twitter that one of the beauties of getting a center switched onto you is that then when you drive there's no center to come over and help defense yeah that's a that's a really good point trying to think if i have any more real thoughts on this game i don't think i watched it as closely as you did so i guess i'll see the oh, well, so, so you missed uh your boy joe harris with uh 19 points five i saw a couple of those actually three. yeah joe harris, joe harris is not that bad he's not that bad i just don't you know i i think that he's on the lower end of an nba roster you know yeah well all right but I, you were talking about him like he shouldn't even be on the team i feel like at one point i don't think he would be on a lot of teams but he can be on the nets i mean they're, they're, they're fine he's he's fine I, I don't i like that they're giving him a shot and i'll have a better idea at the end of this year i'm giving him i'm giving him more of a chance he has earned it yeah i, I think like he could be a fourth wing you know i'm not saying that he's gonna be like a high level rotation guy and a good team but i think if you can if you've got some size and he's not just like totally hopeless athletically and you can make shots um also encouraging for the Nets was Karis Levert finally having an efficient game with 15 points, four assists, six of seven from the field hit both of his three pointers. Alan Crabb also was hitting from three. And finally the Boston three point defense voodoo with opponents coming in, shooting only 32% was broken in this one as the Nets hit 40% from downtown. And they certainly will jack quite a few of them as well. They got up 35 three point attempts in this one. KP, I thought it had an interesting article. Did you get a chance to read that one about the Celtics defense today? I did read it. I thought it was good. And it uh, it centered on the idea of the sustainability of what they're doing. And so got into some of the second spectrum information. And so basically, the there are some concerns in the, in the shot distribution, but they are doing a good job contesting shots. So I think what the, 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 what I took from it was this is, you know, something that will, that will get, that will weaken with time. Opponents shoot, will shoot better with time, but maybe they can can be on the higher end of what is reasonable there and that would still be quite good yeah th- that's a great point yeah because the second spectrum if you don't know has the player tracking with these cameras that can basically log how close the defense is on every type of shot and they have a metric of basically on offense how much better are you shooting compared to what an average 
player would shoot given the shot location and the contest and then on defense how much better or worse is the opponent shooting given the quality of your contest um marcus smart by the way in his contract push still probably overall especially in the regular season a positive player just because he's so good defensively and can handle the ball a little bit but after going one of eight today he is shooting or he actually came in shooting 29 percent from the field <laughs> uh and that did not go up with his one of eight performance today and so if he's again we've talked about his contract but now that they have some more weapons on this team and jason tatum is another one of those by the way he was at 19 points on only 12 shooting possessions today and again just very opportunistic three-point shooting attacking the rim when it's open just playing completely differently than he played even in summer league not to mention in college yeah. with all the isos that he did his shot profile will probably be something i want to talk about either on this 15 and 60 dunked on or the next one yeah and i think the biggest thing that has surprised me i guess there's been two things so far that have stuck out that i did not expect from him uh one is just how comfortably he looks shooting the nba3 and then the second is he's shown a little bit more burst getting to the rim than i expected just in terms of his quickness not necessarily his explosiveness when he actually gets to the rim so those are the two things that i'm seeing from him and then he's been very solid you know he hasn't been making mistakes defensively and because all these guys can switch it's much easier to avoid making mistakes than if you're playing conventional nba help defense uh a couple more notes on the nets spencer dinwiddie though he shot poorly did have 11 assists in this one returning from a hamstring injury that i think he had missed a game or two and d'angelo russell is still supposed to be out at least a few games with his knee issue and Dinwiddie again just looks to have so much burst I mean he had one play where he just like crossed up Tatum and got to the rim for a foul and just plays where he's just straight line driving past guys before the screen even gets there and showing some good vision setting up these three-point shooters also and pretty amazing that he was once on the Bulls they got they acquired him for absolutely nothing then they moved on from him early last year he's signed up with the Nets and he's been another nice reclamation project for the Nets here and they certainly have a couple of roster spots for it but i like where the nets are going i was i was actually writing about them a little bit today because uh, there's a piece for the athletic that's coming out and i, I i'm largely positive on it even though they're going to have some rough stretches this year i had some hopes that timothy mozgov could at least give the nets something and that really has not been the case he only played six minutes today they start this is also a hard matchup for him though i mean well i realize that but he's i mean he's been uh, he's not been playing true. very much either i mean we'll see whether he goes back to starting but i think with the return of jared allen from that foot issue that kept him out about a week he actually played more minutes than mozgov so we could see mozgov just not play anymore potentially i think that's quite possible and obviously he's not a part of the nets future so that would uh so he, and, he could be getting the wall yeah, dang man that's just how unbelievable is it that i mean you and i were so down on those contracts the moment that they happened i mean we recorded it, mozgov was the first one out out of the, the gate and then i think it was either the next day or the second day and we were just like these are awful i can't believe it like even in this cap environment blah blah and the lakers have probably gotten like in the zeroth percentile of what even we expected them to get from those contracts i want to go back at some point and listen to those podcasts because we were apoplectic and we could have been more apoplectic i mean i remember that with the noah contract too like it was it was these ones that looked bad and are just abysmal and and it's even sad i was talking about this with somebody recently that we knew that both of 
these teams were going to mess it up, but the way that they did it was depressing and infuriating and all that. All right, I, I think we can move on here to this from Net10 Wireless. There's always a game to watch during the NBA season, and thanks to Net10 Wireless, you can always have access to the latest scores and highlights right on your smartphone. You can get a choice of flexible plans and great nationwide coverage on one of America's largest and most dependable networks. There's never been a better time to switch to Net10 Wireless because for a limited time, you can get double data for life on unlimited plans starting as low as $35. That means you get unlimited talk, text, and the first four gigabytes of high-speed data, then 2G after that, for $35. Or you can bump it up to 20 gigabytes of high-speed data, which is a ton for $60. With Net10 Wireless, you can also pick the phone and plan that fits your needs and with the added lifetime value of that double data. No contracts or hidden fees. Visit net10wireless.com. That's net10 as in the number 10, net10wireless.com to reference the terms and restrictions of service and get more information on double data for life today. It's a game changer. All right, this is always fun. What I wanted to start with here, Danny, is which players have disappointed you a little bit so far? We talked about who has learned some new tricks this year. Who are the players that you hope to see more from this year that, or some veterans maybe that just aren't getting it done so far? Well, mine are mostly veterans. I'm I'm going to put just as a quick, just throwaway, that what's happening with Markel Fultz is vastly disappointing, but I'm not blaming him for that. That's just, you know, what's happened. That's, that's the most well, disappointing. I mean, he would, yeah, no, I, I agree. He's got to be number one. I mean, he's, that's the number one overall pick. This is a, a, a guy who's supposed and, to and a guy be that a we franchise both believed in. player. Not an Anthony Bennett yep. number one, but a legit number one pick. And these are serious concerns. And it's as as a somebody who loves basketball and who loves NBA basketball, that's the most disappointing. But then for me, I, I generally give young guys a lot of slack early in the season. Like I've been disappointed by Josh Jackson, but it's early and he's youngish. So we'll give him that. So for me, the guys that like the first guy that comes to mind for me is George Hill. Like George Hill was put in a very favorable situation last year and was very, very good when he was healthy. He has not been healthy and he has not been good. Yeah, that one I wouldn't put in that category because I didn't think he was going to be any good with them. And I had serious questions about whether that toe injury that he did not have surgery on it was going to heal because it really seemed like a chronic arthritic type of condition um i think the one that i would have to look at right now is nerland's noel yeah he has played his season high in minutes is 22 and he basically has trended downward from there i'm not sure how many he played today but he was at six zero and two minutes the three games before this one and he's gambling a ton his net rating was negative 19.8 coming into tonight's action and especially for a guy that, oh he's going to be so motivated like yeah well either he's not motivated or he doesn't understand what rick carlisle needs or he's just not that good and neither of those or none of those things are really great for anyone other than dallas who decided not to offer him more money than uh the $70 million offer that they made him. No one's in a while tonight. But, but I'm sure they would like him to be good, though, right? Oh, of like, course. I mean, they, they would, they would, he has a small capital. They would love it if he just could emerge to be the center of the future and would be worth paying this year. But yeah. he is not proven that so and far. And they didn't give up time for him to update it on tonight. The good news, he played in the first quarter. The bad news, he played a total of five minutes. Yeah. So uh, the other guy that I wanted to mention that I thought of early on, and we got to see him a little bit on the Twitter NBA show, is Wilson Chandler. Like Chandler... Oof. 
both yeah. had he has the opportunity now last year it seemed like he was affected by the inconsistencies both in Mike Malone's rotation and what was expected of him well na- those things are gone now for him he has a set role he has a set spot and in, in, in a system that seems like it would work very well to his strengths and he just hasn't been good I haven't been super impressed with him defensively and offensively he's been pretty much a disaster 28 percent from downtown for Chandler and really only getting up three three-point attempts per game too which is not a great number when you consider that they really need him offensively to just hit some threes more maybe than anything and then his forays to the hoop really have looked pretty miserable and there was a time when he actually could kind of beat worst defenders in the post and, and we have not seen any of that from him so far chris middleton is someone who comes to mind as well just shooting poorly from three at 31 percent a guy who's usually up around that 40 percent mark 41 percent from the field overall and as we know the bucks defense really has disappointed so far uh so he hasn't necessarily been contributing it so much on that end either uh anyone else come to mind for you i mean and i'm sure we're forgetting about some i mean russell westbrook actually is a huge one only 48 percent true shooting so far yeah I, I I get again I'll give him a little bit because it's also some of it is uncharacteristic like his 60% from the line like that's just weird and so if things like yeah. that get better I could see that and I'm disappointed that you know that some of the young guys haven't really had a chance to shine yet but it's super early like Scal I just want him to play more but there's a long time for the Kings to keep falling down the abyss so they, they'll get a chance later on yeah the other one to watch although he played well tonight is Kyle Lauer we talked about his struggles getting to the foul line and with a lot of their young guys playing well, DeRozan is a little bit off of last year's pace, but Lowry is really off of last year's pace. And I think they really have an opportunity here with Cleveland's struggles if Lowry can find it again. Uh, but, you know, maybe this is the year for him as he gets into his early 30s and he has not looked like the same guy off the dribble necessarily. Um, uh, all right, what's wait, your first question? Spe- oh, you got one more? Speaking of early 30s, how are you feeling about Thon Maker this year? Yeah, I need to zero in on him a little more. I haven't watched much Bucks in the past like week and a half or so so uh, don't have much to add on him other than what we've talked about already yeah I, I that's more of one that i want to look at that might actually be my focus for the 15 and 60 yeah i, I mean his effort on the glass has been pretty pathetic so far i, I will say that um, Yeah, and i'd like to see him be you know the, the block rate is concerning too but i want to watch i want to watch more of his play to see what see what's really causing that all right what do you want to start with there lebron's comments this week got a little bit more not buzz i, I whatever it is about the reporting that the Cavs offered Kyrie Irving to Indiana for Paul George or sorry that Indiana offered Paul George for Kyrie Irving before everything that ended up happening in the offseason and so basically what I was wondering was knowing what we know now how would you be feeling about that offer compared to what Cleveland has gotten so far yeah it's interesting right it just depends on what you're prioritizing if you were Cleveland clearly getting George would have helped them compete a lot better although you know I'm not sure what Kyrie really does for Indiana he wasn't going to stick around there you would think after the two years and so I mean, maybe they can push the clock back and then try to certainly Kyrie was worth more than Paul George was around the league so maybe they could have flipped him again as well or they could easily of course uh, have sent I mean I'm sure that they even if they gotten that Brooklyn pick they probably could have sent that for George and held on to Crowder and Isaiah too and gotten you know sent out some more flotsam salary like Shumpert and Fry or something like that expiring contracts but so George I mean it, in a theory Kyrie is worth way more than George you know certainly if you're doing you know a transitive property type of exchange rate 
And so I, I think that, and also at the time too, I don't think it was clear that Kyrie really like wanted out in part because of all the chaos, you know, he never had an exit meeting and, and all that stuff. Well, let me, let so, me, no, no, let, I, let me clarify think, yeah. a little bit. What I was more thinking yeah. about was the difference between Paul George and the return they got for Kyrie rather than Kyrie himself, because Isaiah hasn't played. Jay Crowder is working his way back into shape. And then the Brooklyn pick is, I would say it's probably a little bit worse than we expected. Yeah, I know. Brooklyn's not exactly lighting the world on fire lately, but I, I think it'll be it's going to end up kind of being right around where we thought I mean, with Lynn Lynn out for the year I'm not sure why we would be saying that it's going to be lower than we would have thought just because they had like a nice stretch at the start of the well, season maybe like I, I think they they're a talent. little bit more competitive than the very dregs like if the, the I, I think one of the ideas that had been floating around was maybe they would be well I was lower on them than you were I believe was the idea that maybe they wouldn't be much better than whoever the bottom teams were and I would say they're they're probably in a maybe not a tier above those people but they're at least in the the best of that group yeah uh, but i probably would have said that that brooklyn pick would probably be like five or something yeah you know, that's so probably it's, about it's what it'll that be much below. but yeah it, it is an interesting question it all just depends what your goal is right if you want to maximize your chance of winning a championship with lebron this year then yeah i think you would prefer to have paul george but that obviously it was not their intent the fact that they're able to get back a future asset and as much as they did is what made that trade at the time seem so good for cleveland but yeah i i I think if you're are of the opinion that there's no way LeBron is sticking around and that's certainly kind of how they're acting right now and LeBron hasn't given them any assurances either I think they are under the impression that he's going to leave if that's the case then yeah you'd rather have uh, that Boston offer okay it's your turn who would you say is the best backup point guard in the NBA hmm we, we can go through some candidates here yeah uh Michael Carter Williams Jose Calderon uh, um <laughs> Well, you would have said, let's see. Well, I guess Brogdon is in the conversation now. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. We could still put Corey Joseph in there, probably. We could put Sean Livingston, although he's he's a little bit different, as I actually had a long conversation with Anthony Slater on his All-82 podcast yesterday about Livingston and you know what he might be like on another team. Uh, well, yeah, because he's he's not Curry's backup. He's He plays with Curry more than backs him up. Yeah, yeah. although he did start for him yesterday. Right. And I mean, the, I think you yeah. could... It, are, are you counting Seth Curry as a point guard? But he I starts. count him as a point guard. I mean, he... he yeah, he's, no, I, I guess that's true, yeah. He normally... He probably will start. You're right. I mean, Corey Joseph is still in the conversation, even though I haven't loved his year this year i i absolutely think he's I, i'm a believer in his talent yeah it's there nobody really like pops out at you that much uh, De'Aaron fox probably still is not there i mean George like, Hill like has been playing really poorly whoever you want to say it, uh, well patty how about patty mills yeah patty if, mills if we're counting patty, we mills patty mills as a backup point guard then he's in the conversation i think yeah. i would probably go brogdon he's over he's a little bit overqualified at this point for it but i like but he's even a different kind of you know he's not one of those you know stewards put him in and everything good to it but he's he's a really good player i mean you could argue that dinwiddie has been among the best so far this season yeah I think and rosier has done also. well smart has done well however we're classifying the yeah backup. rosier is not actually shooting that well he's another yeah. one of these guys who like you know he, he gets much more attention when he plays well than when he plays poorly it that seems is true like i can say that the one who has given me the most enjoyment has been frank yeah although you and have his, to imagine at some point he'll his be defense starting. is just i mean if you, if you for people who aren't watching the Knicks first of all the Knicks are plenty of fun and you should watch the Knicks but Frank's defense for a guy his age in particular is surprisingly good and we saw that in his film too yeah we did but and even his intelligence he had a few moments 
where he got taken advantage of in one of those games over the weekend. I can't remember which one. But yeah, I mean, he definitely has added a, a new element and, for them. And offensively, so, he's been better than I thought he would be. Yeah, so I think it's pretty clearly got to be Brogdon yep. at this point, uh, just because of that Bledsoe trade. It, it, who Who's the second best then, though? Because he really, you know, he really was the starter, and then they made that trade, so now he's in the, a backup. If we're counting Patty Mills, Patty Mills. Yeah, and, and I mean, he really kind of almost is the starter, but we'll see what happens. Parker, I guess, will probably start when he comes back. We'll see how he looks there. And then Corey Joseph will probably have to be in there. Just as all the well, former Spurs or current Spurs, all of them. Yeah, and for the Clippers, both Beverly and Teodosic started, so I don't know you could look at either of them. Uh, Austin Rivers. As yeah. Well, and we should give a little bit of a shout out, especially because of how much we savaged his contract, that DJ Augustine has had a wonderful year so far. Yeah, until he got hurt. Yes. Okay, last one. I'm thinking I would like for this to be a semi-regular feature just because you and I are so interested in this as a concept, but I'm thinking about this for the Sixers, but you don't have to do it in their context. The kind of 3 and D shooting guard free agent power rankings of KCP, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, and if you want to include anybody else, anybody else. Yeah, unrestricted guys. Right. Right. Yeah. So so why we let's rank it this way. Who is going to get the most guaranteed money? Okay. Out of those guys. That's the way that's the way to do it, I think. Cuz I think that's a, a decent proxy for, you know, who is considered the most valuable at the time they become free agents. So what are the ages of all those guys when they become free agents? I believe KCP 25, Avery Bradley 27, Danny Green 32. Yeah, he's either 31 or 32. Yeah, 31, I think. Oh, just because he's younger, I would go with KCP. We'll see where he ends up shooting on threes this year also and same thing with bradley but i think bradley as an undersized guy at the two if you're gonna have to pay him for four years at like you know 18 million a year something like that maybe 20 million a year even which seems maybe a little excessive but probably more than 15 million a year certainly you know more than average starter of money as a short guy i don't want to be on the back end of that contract and then danny green if you had to pick let me ask you this if you want to just have one guy for next year who would it be out of those three i think for most circumstances i would take danny green i i tr- i think i trust him more and he is he's had to do it and i mean avery bradley's done a nice job in some playoff series too but i, I like danny green especially because i think he's a little bit more versatile sliding onto threes when necessary so depending on what system you're running i think i think green can do a good job there and Bradley, yeah, he's the only one of those three guys who I think can switch one through four, right? Credibly, and he's also by far the best help defender of those guys, <laughs> and the best um, transition defender by a mile and a half. Yeah, no, that's true. Now uh, he could always fall off here. We know what his age is, but and there's also always the chance that someone leaving San Antonio might not be as good in another system mm-hmm. as well. But Simmons has done no, well, I think though. He should, yeah, no, that's true. He, I mean, it was funny actually. I mean, I, I watched him shooting around before the. The game yesterday and the assistant who was like he was actually taking some pretty like semi-contested shots like pump faking and stuff and he hit well i was counting like 16 out of 21 threes which yeah, is something. a pretty good number for i'm not sure if you noticed uh, that i was standing behind you for most of that no i didn't i was all. very I was, quiet uh, <laughs> i was really just so locked in well, you, were, you were locked in um, i didn't want to bother you that's why that's why i stood there but but so let's go through by, this by the way oh i was I, I, this was kind of funny actually this is a little bit of like inside baseball here so you know, when you we're around before these games, we'll talk to scouts, we'll get their opinions, and guys will always be there's certain people who will like trust you to not just like spill the beans or whatever or, like some people who like to talk and some people who don't and like you know it's kind of hard to determine who that is until you actually ask someone and so the scout that i was sitting next to i've known him reasonably well we always say hello and so we started talking about hazonia and i was like yeah you know like do you think 
asked him a couple of questions and he's like yeah you know i think it's been a little bit of a struggle for him and blah blah you know so, some relative platitudes and then i was like so do you think he can turn it around if he goes somewhere else and he's like i'm sorry i can't tell you that <laughs> <laughs> So it was just, it was, and I felt really awkward because the last thing I want to do is like have a conversation with anyone where they are just like, you know, scared of talking to me or like I'm annoying them with the question. Like, I thought it was just like, you know, we had the type of relationship where we could have that discussion and he wouldn't be like, oh, I, this guy from this team sold me this. Like, you know, obviously I'm not going to talk that way when I have a conversation like that. And I just wanted to try to get a different perspective. It's always good to talk to people and get a different perspective. I know what my opinion is on him, but it's, he's a guy who's, kind of been a little bit of a mystery although i will say this with the zonia too comparing the way he worked pregame in a game that he was very unlikely to play in by the way compared with like what the way simmons and mac and fournier worked to get ready for the game those guys are like working up a sweat doing like realistic drills and Hazonia just kind of at least for the portion that i saw i got out there but he you know he wasn't exactly like dripping sweat when i got out there he just you know just went around the three-point arc and just took a bunch of shots and never really like got into any kind of like sweat or or work mode uh and, and then didn't play until garbage time in that one so uh, anyway there's a, a little bit of uh inside baseball inside basketball i guess uh, more accurately um but did we answer your uh your kcp yeah the only uh, thing your, your I, the only thing i wanted thing? the only thing i wanted to add other than that the church might be be transferred to somebody in spain next year just just an idea it's a very distinct possibility <laughs> is whether you think that just because i'm semi-obsessed with them whether you think that that calculus is any different for Philly and I was thinking about how hard this is if they don't know what they have in Fultz yeah well and you might even say that they would prefer to just bring back JJ Redick for one more year and then see because I don't think anything's going to happen that would significantly reduce their cap space for the summer of 2019 and they want to see how Embiid and, and Simmons develop and maybe they would have a chance to get an even bigger fish in 2019 rather than just you know a starter who fits in with their core that they probably would have to overpay for a little bit to really get like that third star in free agency because if Fultz doesn't really turn out to be that I mean they need one more guy who can really be a traditional pick and roll score hopefully you can shoot as well i mean what Fultz was supposed to be would have been a perfect fit but so i don't know i i don't i'm not really sure i, I think just due to the youth kcp would perhaps be the guy but avery bradley's toughness w- would be nice to have as well especially because when you have Embiid, you're not really going to be switching all that much necessarily and so having a guy who can get over a screen and get into guys on a one five pick and roll be pretty nice um now bradley also part of the problem with him is that he really wants to be more offensively and he probably would not have a chance to do that in philly and perhaps he would chafe at that or just wouldn't want to go there for that reason what would concern me about the idea of waiting until 2019 is just the supply issue that there are not usually that many guys like this on the market and the the supply in 20 if you feel like that's a need for them which i absolutely do their money is actually pretty similar you're right about that but there aren't that many guards especially guards for what they're looking for that are going to be available yeah and a lot also danny depends on what happens with that lakings pick yep do they have that this year are they looking at getting that pick unprotected in 2019 i mean it's nearly impossible unless i shouldn't say nearly impossible but it certainly looks very unlikely that that wouldn't the kings won't be you know a bottom six or seven team and that with the new lottery odds they have a good a chance of anybody as to be in that number one pick in 2019 if that lakers pick conveys this year which yeah has a decent chance would, maybe i think it's probably more likely than not that it doesn't though i feel like that would be just like the one of the longest payoffs of my writing career if if my obsession over that protected pick ends up becoming a becoming a thing because it ends 
ends up becoming like a top two, top three pick. All right. I think that'll do it for today. We're going to actually do a mailbag for tomorrow. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue, I'll tell you what we'll do. Actually, if you subscribe in the next 24 hours, we're going to do it about this time tomorrow night. And you are a new subscriber. We will give you, I'm not going to guarantee because I don't know how many we're going to get, or maybe just the question won't be good, but we will give preference to anyone who just subscribed put that in your question at patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Danny is going to post that right now on the site. So if you subscribe... Hopefully you won't just subscribe, submit the question, and then cancel. <laughs> but, you know, if you really want to go through all that effort to get a question answered, I guess I'm not going to stop if, you. If we tell them uh, that they can't do that, maybe they'll believe us. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's a, that's where we're going to get our questions from and do a fun mailbag episode tomorrow. And then that big Boston golden state game twitter nba show followed by a dunked on on that game and the other thursday games on thursday so thanks again so much for listening and we will talk to y'all next time thanks again to net 10 wireless for sponsoring today's program i love nba season and thanks to smartphones you can always have access to the latest scores and highlights if you switch to net 10 wireless now you can get double data for life on unlimited plans starting as low as 35 dollars. visit net 10 wireless net and then the number 10 net 10 wireless.com to reference terms and restrictions of service and get more information on double data for life it's a game changer